You are listening to the Not Your Average Autism Mom podcast, the number one podcast for moms just like you, raising an autistic child. How are moms like us who didn't plan for this unique parenting journey embracing life just as it is right now, instead of staying stuck in wishing, hoping, and dreaming it was different? That is the question, and this podcast, along with our Let's Talk Autism newsletter and our private sisterhood, will give you the answers. My name is Shannon Urquiola, and I have been traveling this journey for over two decades. I have been where you are. All right, stay with me, and let's get on to this week's episode. Episode 91, Exploring Tick Disorder and Tourette Syndrome. Well, hello there, my friends. How are you today? I hope that you are doing well. Um, I know a lot of you know this, but I am doing amazing because I am preparing and getting ready to head out to Southern California. I'm actually going to San Diego and I am so excited. Jordan was actually born in San Diego, and I have not been back in many, many years. And I am going for a week to spend some time with my lifelong friends out there. And if you know me, uh, you likely know that uh, I am a huge college softball fan. And there is a new professional league that started a couple years back. And I've been following many of these players' careers for years and years, and they're actually playing at San Diego State. So that is also on our agenda, um, too, while I'm out there. So I'm going to do a meetup with some of our members in Southern California while I'm there. So lots of good things coming up for me in the next couple weeks. And I am you know, I'm so lucky that Dave is just amazing. And I usually get to take a me trip about once a year while him and Jordan stay home. So I will be headed out there at the beginning of next week. Lots of stuff to get done and ready in advance of that trip. So that is what has been going on with me. And I hope that your summer is off to a great beginning and you also have some, you know, fun stuff planned with your family or loved ones. So recently, I've had a few conversations about ticks, um, and that promoted me to just kind of prompted me to do today's episode where I want to talk about ticks and Tourette syndrome and how it's often, first of all, misunderstood. And second, the fact that it can coexist with autism as well as other developmental conditions too, like ADHD, OCD, anxiety, sensory processing. In people diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, it's estimated that 86% have been diagnosed with at least one other condition. And There are many different conditions that coexist, right? We know that. I've talked about several um, on different podcast episodes. But honestly, it's really just a matter of which of the problems from which disorder become the most bothersome and impact our children's lives the most that we generally treat first. So, 
for those of you that don't know what Tourette syndrome is, Tourette syndrome is a condition of the nervous system. It is a neurological disorder that involves sudden and repetitive movements, unwanted sounds, twitches that can't be easily controlled. So this could be like repeated eye blinking or shrugging the shoulders or making odd noises. The point is, I want you to think of it like hiccups. No one wants the hiccups, but we don't have control over the hiccups, right? It's our body doing it without intention from us. The movements or sounds are usually um, repeated, but they're not rhythmic, meaning they're usually very quick, rapid, and brief. So that is what ticks are. And there are actually two types of ticks. There are vocal ticks and motor ticks. So examples of vocal ticks would be like <clears throat> throat clearing, right? Coughing, sniffing. You hear that noise? I'll tell you about that noise a little bit later. Um, sniffing, snorting. They might make animal or bird noises. Um, or sometimes there's just like short repetitive phrases like echolalia. Examples of motor tics um, would be the eye blinking that I was talking about, uh, head jerking, nose twitching, uh, arm or leg twitching, or even shoulder shrugging. Now, Jordan has been through many tics along all of our years along this journey. His vocal tick presented itself as a repeated, super annoying nose clearing noise. That was the noise that I made earlier. Yeah. And it was very distracting. Another tick that we saw with Jordan was a motor tick, and it was an involuntary shrugging of one side of his shoulder up towards his head. So, you know, he would just be sitting there and, and all of a sudden, you know, I would see that, uh, that jerking of his shoulder up towards his head. Another thing I've worked, I just want to point this out. I've worked with many families whose children, autistic children, sniff things. So I just want you to know that that would be an example of how it isn't necessarily Tourette syndrome or a tick, but that's rather a, probably likely a symptom of their autism. To actually diagnose Tourette syndrome, the individual must have multiple, two or more, motor tics and at least one or more vocal tic and both must be present at the same time, although they don't necessarily have to be simultaneous for at least one year. And the other thing is they have to have an onset before the age of 18. Now, if you don't know much about Tourette syndrome, when you hear it, you likely think of a person who shouts out profanity, right, without the ability to control it. The clinical name for that is coprolalia. 
which is involuntary speech of obscene or socially inappropriate words. And believe it or not, this is actually much less common and it's not a requirement for diagnosis of Tourette's. But thanks to the media, unfortunately, that is the picture that most of us have of Tourette's syndrome when we don't know a lot about it. Tourette's syndrome, like autism, is more common in males, and it affects between 1 in 10 in 1,000 children. And also, like autism, there is not a single test or a blood test to diagnose it. And doctors and scientists don't actually know the exact cause although research does show that it might be an inherited genetic condition. There's still tons of research going on in the scientific world about it, but there's not just not a lot known about it. Symptoms of Tourette's syndrome generally are seen beginning usually between the ages of five and seven up to 10 years old. And although like repetitive throat clearing, blinking, or grimacing of the face are the most typically seen tics in Tourette's. The ones that you'll see most early on are generally motor tics, and they usually involve the head and neck area. So jerky movements in the head and neck are those ones that are usually seen early on. And then what happens is those uh, vocal tics show up later in adolescence, moving into puberty and teenage years. Statistics show that around one in five children with Tourette's syndrome also meet the criteria for autism. So they absolutely do coexist. All the research that I've done says that it is very unlikely that so many children have both disorders, but instead, the Tourette syndrome often mimic or seem quite similar to those of autism. So repeating of words or phrases, like I talked about earlier, right, echolalia, um, is sometimes thought of as a symptom of Tourette's. But again, it's not required as part of the criteria for diagnosis. And as you likely know, it's a definite red flag for autism. No one knows exactly what causes tics to occur. And they often change in type as well as intensity. So you may notice that they might increase in times of excitement, anxiety, anticipation, stress, and yes, sleep deprivation. So both stress and sleep deprivation seem to be pre prevalent in both the occurrence and severity of the tics. You know, like I said, they can also change over time. They can appear, disappear, reappear, but they are considered chronic. All right. I want all of you to lean in here and listen to me about this. You need to understand that electronics and screen time increase dopamine. And ticks are dopamine related. So yes, if your child is using electronics in excess and experiencing ticks, whether they are vocal or they are motor, I really want to encourage you to evaluate their screen time.
And honestly, not just that reason, but a whole slew of other reasons. And if you want to know more about our children and their responses to electronics, and you haven't listened to our episodes on electronic use, I definitely want to invite you to go back and listen to both episode seven and episode 72. That's episode seven and episode 72. Both of those episodes are specifically focused on electronics and they are two of our most downloaded episodes out of all of them. They are very good and you likely really need to hear them. So go take a listen. Because there is such a lack of understanding about the inability for individuals who suffer with tics to control them, it can often lead to bullying from their peers. So it's really important that if your child has tics, even if they are not diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, because listen, Jordan never got diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, but he had, you know, like I said, we had a variety of tics throughout our years. Um, If they have tics, whether they're diagnosed or not, be sure that you are educating those people that are close to you, your family, their teachers, their school teams, They need to understand that these behaviors are not in their control. You know, I can't tell you the communication that I had about Jordan's vocal nose tick. And I would say, I get it. I know it's annoying. Trust me, we live with it. Telling someone to stop is not an effective strategy. And it will not stop the behavior. Again, think back to the hiccups, right? Personally, I can't stand having hiccups. And I wish someone telling me to stop would work. So I can only imagine that someone experiencing tics would love if that actually worked, right? If your child's tics are negatively impacting their education in their educational setting, Definitely request a meeting to discuss the possibilities of either a 504 plan or an IEP to give them necessary accommodations or services to help them in that setting. This is 100% an option for them as long as their tics are impeding their education. When you figure out what situations help lessen or which situations increase their tics, making accommodations in those areas can definitely help. You know, most often tics are not severe enough to seek treatment, but while there is no effective medication for every case of tics or one that will, you know, cure tics, there are medications and therapies that can help if their tics are more severe and they're interfering with their daily life. The goal of medications or therapies are to reduce the tics so they're not interfering in their day-to-day. And also because I have been asked this question directly, I'm going to go ahead and let you know. 
there is no evidence that a stimulant medication, which I know many of our children take, causes ticks or cause their ticks to increase. And studies have shown that stopping or adjusting stimulant medication will not result in the ticks going away. And I just have to say that because I do get asked that questions a lot of times because I know we have a lot of uh, families that we work with who, you know, whose children are on stimulant medications and they struggle with ticks. Now, some people have used what's called CBIT, C-B-I-T, which is a behavioral treatment that has been shown to reduce ticks in both children and adults. But what I want you to remember is that if your child has autism, often their deficits with autism will impede this type of therapy. And the reason is because it is based around them being more aware of their ticks, which I will just tell you from personal experience, Jordan's ticks never bothered him. They never bothered him. They only bothered everyone else around him. So C-bit therapy would not have been effective for him. It's kind of like Jordan has a really significant stutter. And I took him to an amazing, one of the best speech therapists in the country in Central Florida. And he said, Shannon, he said, I, I'm just going to tell you, if it wasn't for Jordan's autism, I could absolutely help him with his stuttering. But because he doesn't have the realization or doesn't acknowledge that there's a problem, I'm not going to be able to help him. So it's the same thing with CBIT therapy. Another challenge with this therapy is finding a CBIT therapist near you who is trained because they are the only provider who should attempt this type of therapy or treatment. Now, as far as medications, the problem is that there are no medications that can cure ticks. And they will generally only prescribe medication if the individual has multiple ticks or they're self-harming ticks. Right now, there are currently only three drugs that have FDA approval to treat ticks. So for that reason, some physicians may choose to utilize alternative medication treatment to begin with. So check with your child's medical team to determine what might be the best option for your child based on their need if you want to explore those options. Now, as I close this episode, what I want you to know is that while there are many adults who continue to experience ticks, studies have shown that children with Tourette syndrome or ticks will often outgrow their ticks by their late teens or early adult years. Unfortunately, there is no way to know if your child will outgrow their ticks. I have also included some additional resource information on um, ticks and Tourette's uh, in the show notes. So if you're interested, if you want more information, definitely grab that information in the show notes. Um, and I hope that this episode has been helpful and maybe answered some questions that you were unsure about. 
All right, my friends, until next week, have an amazing week. And don't forget, if you have not yet, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. And please, if you haven't left us a review yet, take a quick minute to do that. It's right there on the bottom of your podcast, of of our podcast page in your platform. It's quick and easy, and it really helps us to reach more moms just like you. Above all, remember, you, my friend, are doing amazing at this mom thing. Hey, so if you are loving what you are learning on the podcast, you really should check out our private membership. Our Not Your Average Autism Mom community is where we dive deeper into all of the topics we discuss on the podcast and where you can get individual help and learn coaching tools that will make your life better every day when you learn to manage your mind. You will have access to all of our training and resources that you will need along your autism parenting journey. And you will develop relationships with other moms just like you, all raising a child with autism. It is my absolute favorite place to be. So head on over to the website at www.notyouraverageautismmom.com to get all the details. And please, if we're not open right now for new members, we only open a couple times a year. Be sure to join the wait list so that you'll be the first to know when we're going to open. I hope you do. I would love to work with you inside.